guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. And today we are discussing episode 417, which is Girls in Bikinis, Boys Doing the Twist, otherwise known as the infamous Spring Break episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> before we do that, we, well, no, not we, I, <laughs> I, um, wanted to talk about something that a lot of people have been DMing us about, and that is Scott Patterson's podcast. Once again. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Scott Patterson started a podcast, okay? <laughs> mm, unfortunately. Oh, okay, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, after the first episode, I didn't listen to it anymore, uh-huh. um, and Jeffrey didn't listen any episode i don't think no, right you can't yeah. and you can't make me you can't make no me. i don't want to make you relax <laughs> i don't want to make you and none of you in the audience can make me either I'm, it's not happening okay it's not no. so here's the thing we got a lot of dms about the episode last week um i still don't know the format i think honestly his podcast is a little bit all over the place mm-hmm. so there are episodes where he kind of discusses the episode sometimes he has a guest on Sometimes he has a guest and it's just the guest. It's not an episode. And sometimes like the week, the episode that I'm going to discuss now and that a lot of people were asking us to discuss was just a bonus episode where he had a therapist on. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, I got a lot of, we got a lot of DMs saying like, hey, have you listened to it? What did you think? It's awful. Blah, blah, blah. So... (laughs) One thing I want to make absolutely 100% clear is that regardless of what you think of Scott Patterson as a human being, and we have said before that it's not for us, mm-hmm. one thing is abundantly clear is that he has no idea what the show is about. <laughs> I I would also say no, no idea what Gilmore Rose is about and no idea what his own podcast is about. Well, yeah, but I mean, the podcast I can kind of give him a pass on because... Like, I'm sure when we first started our podcast, it was also a little bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. And we weren't really sure of what we wanted to do. So, like, I, I, I'm more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. Because I think there's room to grow in your podcast, too. And as you start doing it, you realize what works, what doesn't. Right. So I was always more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for that, even though I really do think it's all over the place. Um, but, you know, those are things that can be corrected. But in terms of the show itself like Gilmore Girls itself like it shows that he I know he said he never watched it but it it shows yeah (laughs) like he has no fucking clue what he's saying sometimes it's embarrassing yeah and the reason why this episode was so significant was because it's kind of a piggyback off of the episode of his podcast where he was analyzing and I use the term analyzing very loosely by the way um analyzing that episode love and war and snow in the first season mm-hmm. so if you'll recall that is the episode where max medina gets stranded in stars hollow and it's a snowstorm and they're doing the reenactment right okay so he had a therapist on so the story goes that the therapist contacted the show and said like hey i'd love to analyze these characters with you yeah i don't buy that sorry Okay, well, that's what happened, apparently. Her name is Kim. She sounded lovely. She had a nice little Texas accent. 
whatever. Um, but the issue, the whole reason we he went on a 52-minute episode rant with mm. King was because he took issue with Lorelai telling Luke, dance, Burger Boy. Dear God, that was the whole premise, was just them at, them overanalyzing Dance Burger Boy? Listen to me very carefully. He is upset because Lorelai, the character of Lorelai, treats Luke, like, really disrespects Luke. Uh-huh. So he, his whole thing was, like, he was like, who walks into a diner and says Dance Burger Boy? Like, give me a freaking break. And to which the therapist replies, like, yeah, you're right. It's very mocking. And he has the right to feel hurt. It's a television show. But also, hold on. <laughs> um, and so the whole premise around this bonus episode with the therapist is to kind of analyze their characters, but also analyze their relationships. And the reason I posted that tweet where I said, like, if it were up to Scott... <laughs> the show would have been called Luke and it would have been 42 minutes of him being the best human. Literally. Is because honest to God, he shits on every character, but his own. Yeah. So he said a bunch of things in this episode, in his bonus episode that I really was just like scratching my head and saying like, you've clearly never seen the show because Scott thinks that Lorelai's character has a very upper class sense of entitlement and the reason she walks into the diner and disrespects him by saying dance burger boy is because she looks she's looking down her nose at working class people. Oh boy. And, yeah. And she can never really shake that like upper class part of her because it's like ingrained in her DNA. Yeah. Okay, Star, so you've never seen the show. Yeah. And so he says also that Lorelai falling in love with someone like Luke, um, this is where I, it got really iffy for me. <laughs> he says that Lorelai falling in love with someone like Luke makes it so that she's always having to explain herself and say, well, you know, when I say stuff like dance, burger boy, I don't mean it in that mocking way. And I'm like, when has this ever fucking happened on the show? Never. And he's like, you know, Luke has to then talk to her and say, like, it's disrespectful to me in front of my customers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... When, oh what? When, <laughs> when? When? Especially since it's 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 actually interesting that you're you're bringing this up now because I've been rewatching season one before bed. It helps. It soothes me to sleep, as I've said many times before. Um, I know, and I know others agree with me because they've told us so. <laughs> but it's just weird that he's framing it that way for multiple reasons. But to me, what strikes me the most right now is that. Especially in season one, like Luke was, Luke's character took a long time to develop into what we saw like in like seasons two, three, four, five, six, seven. So yeah. I found like in season one, he was very much like they knew they knew what they were doing and they wanted to they wanted to draw it out. But especially in that scene where he's where she's like, "Hey, dance, burger boy, dance," and he's like, "Will you marry me?" No, I just wanted to shut you up. Like he's very stern. He's very like standoffish, and the whole point is that you're going to unravel him and we'll, and we'll get to know him better. So it's just weird that he's analyzing it so deeply and he's just distracting my customers. What? Like, the character had just, like, longing looks at Lorelai and a couple of one-liners at this point of the show. Like, eh? Yeah. So, 
another yeah the, no the whole thing just like i was i was listening to it on my lunch break and i i uh, the facial expressions i can't even begin to tell you i was like what the fuck is he talking about and so then his producer kind of chimes in and says but you have to agree that they talk to each other like that you know like sometimes he says things that could be construed as um, like, if you think that Lorelai talks to him disrespectfully, sometimes Luke then also mimics her and talks to her disrespectfully. And he's like, yeah, right. When? When has that ever happened? Like, sir, <laughs> sir, what what fucking show are you watching? I was going to say, again, you've clearly never watched your own show. Yeah. And so he also, in his deep analysis, also thinks that the reason that Luke is always so grumpy is because... Um, you know, because Lorelai is always talking down to him and disrespecting him. And he says that the reason it took four years for Lorelai and Luke to get together was because he was scared of being rejected by her because in a way he was already being rejected by her every day by the way she was speaking to him and the attitude that she had towards him. Um. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts, and it's just hard to hard to to pick where to start. Yeah, um. and then he kept griping on this thing of like Luke is clearly not from her world, and you know, genuinely, he Scott genuinely thinks that Lorelai thinks Luke is beneath her, and That's so sad. you know, like what person from that social standing wouldn't feel that way, you know? So, and then he said something that I had to write in quotes. He said, I knew my love for her was pure. I was enveloped in my fear, but I wasn't going to change myself in order to become so vulnerable. I just sensed it. And I was like, now you're talking like fucking David Sutcliffe in a cave with a shaman. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, uh, um, really, 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 really don't even know what to say. <laughs> I was just like this thing, like you're all over the fucking place, sir. Yeah. And I felt so bad for this therapist too, because I was like, she's genuinely trying to like. So she she saw it kind of differently. She didn't always agree with him. She's like, listen, Lorelai has her guard up and like is says all these like witty, funny things because she probably it's a protective mechanism, and we've said that too, you know. Mm. Um, but like. You know, he also said things that, like, you're clearly missing the point of the show. So he says that Lorelai harbors guilt because she's like, look what I did to my parents. They'll never forgive me. Speaking about getting pregnant. But, you know, I don't think Lorelai feels that way at all. She always says it was necessary to get out of the house. And I would also uh, very much dispute his whole thesis about how Lorelai is an upper class woman who thinks Luke the diner boy is beneath him. That's, like, not... That's not the show at all. You've never, you've clearly never watched it. No, it's just, it's so like, that's why I preface this by saying, regardless of how you feel about Scott Patterson, love him, hate him, indifferent. I'm sorry, this analysis is bullshit. <laughs> and it's, and I'm sorry, like, I'm sure there's a lot of devoted Gilmore Girls fans who are, have, have been listening to his podcast for whatever reason, just because either you love you loved Luke, or you loved you love Scott Patterson, or you love Gilmore Girls, or all of the above. Um, it, it it pains me now to think about it that people are devoting time to this, and he's not, uh, you know, not good at not good at his job. It's not really his job, but he's not good at what he's doing. So well, another thing I realized, and we got a lot of in the DMs, was 
the whole point of the show, the the podcast, I mean, was for him to watch these episodes for the first time. And it was going to be part analysis and part, like, behind the scenes, what he thought and whatnot. And a lot of it is just, like, ever wonder how they make snow in shows? (laughs) No! I just give a fuck. (laughs) Gilmore Girls content. And I'm guessing he still hasn't actually watched some of them, because if he's analyzing it from the point of view of of Lorelai as this upper-class snit who's looking down on all the stars' hollow people, that's not the premise of the show whatsoever. Like, I I can't argue one way or the other if he's actually watched it, because I don't know him personally, but from, from what you're telling me, if that's his point of view, then I'm guessing it's pretty warped for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he thinks that, like, it's it's like he's you know some people are unable to unable excuse me to see like fault in themselves. Yeah, I was gonna say we also have a lot of there's also a lot of other is- issues with his podcast that should be addressed. We've kind of touched on it a little. When we no, but what I want to say is that he is unable to see fault in his character. It's like he takes it so personally when someone's like. Like, his producer, like, for example, when his producer was like, well, he also speaks to her disrespectfully. He's like, what? No, when? You know, it's like, bro, it's fiction. Yeah. You played a character 15 years ago. Yeah. You know? And then, like, at the end, it it got kind of weird. He made things very sexual. Wonderful. So, you know, at the end of that episode where Max and Lorelai are making out at the house and Lane walks in on them? Yeah. Okay, so he said something to the effect of, well, because, you know, he also has a problem with Max and Gina. Um, mm, okay. Fu- yeah, he's fucking obsessed. But anyways, <laughs> that's for another show. But he said something to the effect of, like, Lorelai and Max didn't have chemistry. And okay, debatable, fine, you can say that. That's fine analysis. But then he said... Um, you know, Luke and Lorelai would have had so much chemistry that Lane wouldn't have even dared to interrupt them. In fact, she would have called the cops because it would have sounded like someone was getting murdered. Um, okay, that's inappropriate on several levels. Like, what? (laughs) Um, yeah, okay. Uh, that's a bit, that's a bit unnerving. (laughs) Like, it's a little bit gross at this point in the game, like, to start talking like that when your character... You just finished saying that your Lorelai disrespects Luke. Yeah. And you clearly... Like, the way he was talking is, like, he clearly has a disdain for Lorelai's character. Okay, yes. And so I'm just, like... But then you want to, like... I don't know, prove that your character had the most chemistry with her? Like, I don't know what his game is. I don't know what's happening. May I offer one theory? Yeah. So, again, I shall preface by saying I have not listened to his podcast. I don't plan to. And historically, in my life, people have given me shit for either analyzing or judging or giving my opinion on something that I haven't actually consumed, Mm e.g. a book, a series, a movie, whatever the case may be. People in high school used to yell at me all the time for not liking The Notebook, even though I hadn't actually seen The Notebook. I'd seen bits and pieces, but it was like some of my friends who were girls were like, you can't even say that because you've never seen it. And then I watched it and everything I'd said was true. Everything. But, you know, whatever. Um, so, I mean, I've seen clips from 
our, our own Instagram feed where we follow, unfortunately, his the, the feed for his podcast. I've seen little clips from there. Um, I think it's worth noting the elephant in the room is that Scott is an old white man, an old straight white man, um, in a you know in, a, in an increasingly digital social media driven world where um, inclusivity is being valued more and for people of Scott's caliber, e.g. straight old white man of a certain mentality, inclusivity of of some to them means exclusivity of others, such as him, who have had the privilege his whole life. And I I just, I think the, it's interesting that Scott's podcast popped up when it did, because I think over the course of the last few years with, you know, the rise of quote unquote cancel culture and whatever that means, and, you know, the Me Too and the Time's Up movements and all, all, all the come along with that i think it's worth noting that a lot of shall i say men's rights activists have popped up and they're kind of they're kind of like scott they're kind of smarmy they're old white men who think that their rights are being taken away etc etc and i'm not sure which podcast it was but there was one last year um it was like number maybe you know the title once i start talking about it um it was it was like number one on spotify and it was in the news last year because they were like huge Trump supporters. They were complete like pandemic conspiracy theorists. So basically it's like a conservative men's rights group. And they had a podcast and it was like number one on Spotify and there was a bunch of backlash because like why would Spotify condone this, etc. Um, yeah, so I think so. I'm not yeah. even like I don't even remember the title because it wasn't even like it wasn't even that notable for me. Like I read this I read an article, a news article about it and I was like this is this is trash. I'm not surprised in Trump's America. But um, I just think that it's interesting that Scott's podcast is, you know, being made now in this day and age. And it's, I think he needs to kind of, he, he won't obviously, but I think he needs to kind of re, like rein it in, in the sense that he's letting his own old white man bias show in terms of like his character can do no wrong, uh, weird smarmy comments about his own chemistry with Lorelai, but apparently Lorelai doesn't reciprocate it in the way he wants. Like I, I don't know. To me, it's just like, hey, uh, I couldn't get any, couldn't get any substantial acting work. Uh, why don't I start a, a podcast discussing my dumb old white man thoughts on the show that brought me C list fame? Mm, I don't know. To me, that's just acknowledge your like check yourself. Like ex- like I'm sorry. Just reevaluate the way you see things. If if it means if you feel left out of a world where inclusivity is now being valued more and you feel left out because you're a dumb old white man, that's on you. Like maybe you need to like take a look in the mirror and not start a podcast to reassert your irrelevance. That's all I have to say about yeah. that. Yeah. I also think it's a little bit, um, the timing of it is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think you're right. It made it seem like as if he, again, I don't know his thought process, but it made it seem as if, like, oh, shit, like, white people are being, quote, unquote, erased. You know yeah. how people think that. <laughs> it's yeah, not- and I'm not saying, like, we don't know for for a fact that Scott thinks like that or whatever it is. Or he, or he, is, or he is, like, a one of those people who thinks, you know, men's rights is a thing. It's not, by the way. Um, I don't like we don't know that for sure. And, and I don't mean to, to imply that he is one of he is a person who's doing that. But like the context in which his like the context in which his podcast and his point of view about certain issues such as you know like a character he played 15 years ago and all of a sudden it's like he 
like his character is on him and him and the by extension the character are on a pedestal. It's just like all you do, all you're doing right now is coming across as a dumb old white man who is refusing to you know go with like roll with the times and whatever that whatever that implies. Yeah, and I also think it's a little weird that he thinks that we would want his take on the show. Exactly, like not like not to. What not, do you <laughs> have to bring? You know, yeah, like, like I, like I, like I said before, I think if Lauren Graham decided to just start a Gilmore Girls podcast, we'd be all over that shit because it's Lauren Graham and she's a woman, but it's white woman, obviously. But just like we yes. don't need, we don't need any more white like dumb old white men perspectives on anything, and especially not our beloved Gilmore Girls. I think we can summarize it as that. But I mean, I think also the point is the reason we would be all over it if it was Lauren Grandma's because she was the protagonist. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry. Secondary is, character, sir. <laughs> like, Luke is, I'm not going to say he's not important, but it's just like, it's not not no. it. <laughs> you, just to show you where his head is at, like, just to, like, prove to you how he thinks, like, he's the main character. Next episode um, that they're discussing is the dance. Mm-hmm. Rory's dance and Luke is not in that episode. No. And the description of the freaking episode literally starts with, Where is Luke? We can't find him. Yeah, that's because it's not his fucking show. Yeah. The show is Gilmore Girls. Yeah, like you're right. That's why in his in his brain he wanted the show to be called Luke. <laughs> like, go away. And that's like that's just what I mean though. It's just in in this day and age, we don't need any more of that just old white man arrogance. And it's- I don't listen. I don't necessarily think it's like old white man arrogance. I think there's been a wave like so. We posted an article a couple of weeks ago about this wave of be- well the 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 writer the uh, the person that wrote the article called it why are B list celebrities like recapping their shows right. And it was about, you know, the new OC podcast, the One Tree Hill podcast. Scott Patterson made the list. So, like, a bunch of, I guess, some of them were secondary characters. Some of them were primary characters. But, like, it was, what is it about, um, you know, these char- these these actors that want to go back and rewatch the shows that, like, meant so much to us? So, I don't know if it's more, if he's also just being smart and kind of, um, you know, ca- quote unquote cashing in on the nostalgia factor that we're all feeling right now mm-hmm. um so it could also be that um because he's certainly not the only one that's going back and revisiting these old shows um case in point here we are here we are but I, i'm talking about the actors themselves you know what i mean yeah. um but yeah i also just think it's a little bit weird that you know, the show is called Gilmore Girls, and if the actual Gilmore Girls wanted to get together and, you know, recap the show, I'd be all for it. But you're Luke. You weren't even in every episode. You're not even analyzing the fuck. I think that's what I have a hard time with. You're not even analyzing the goddamn fucking podcast uh, show. Yeah, all of that and just combined with the fact that you're not, you're like, you're not being self-aware of your position in the matter of your own podcast just like like you said if it was the whole cast that would be different because it's the whole cast but no no it's you a secondary character who unfortunately just you know to speak the truth like hasn't really done any 
other notable acting work and yeah. you're just again an, an old white man of a certain age who feels the need to start a stop. podcast discussing your character like stop saying old he's 60 okay well um yeah I, go, excuse me go find your mother right now and call her old <laughs> well that's my dad's 60 my dad turns 60 this year so yeah, well. i'm no i'm saying it's i mean it's, i'm using it as an insult in this case because i don't like his podcast and i don't like him because he's smarmy and that's just how i feel so i think another thing that i really have an issue with with this podcast and this is the last thing we'll say before we move on to the actual episode and the purpose of our podcast is that um he's not good <laughs> with his guests <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna stop and he's not good <laughs> yeah I was gonna say like just like he's that episode good. of Will and Grace I referenced like I don't like gay men no. <laughs> he's not uh, he's not good <laughs> he's not good with his guests so like he had Kiko and Jenna on and I like I said I didn't listen to the whole thing um just the clips he posted um, even when he had, like, Yannick Trudale on, um, when he had Rosa Boo and Sally Struthers on. Like, he's not good with them. No. He interrupts them all the time. He always brings the conversation back to Luke. But, like, if you're trying to do a Gilmore Girls podcast, like, let them talk about all of Gilmore Girls. Agreed. So, anyways, he's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and may I offer, since you, since you were talking about um, the, that article discussing B-list, uh, B-list stars, you know, starting podcasts, rewatching their own shows. Right. Um, I actually want to recommend a kind of similar podcast. I'm not, I don't think it was discussing like any one of her shows in particular. And I don't know if it's, if it's even still happening, if she's, if she's still recording it, but Busy Phillips had a really good podcast Um I don't remember how long ago it was. Like, I listened to it pre-pandemic, so it was long enough ago. It was called Busy Phillips is Doing Her Best. Um, it was really, like, I, I love how she in particular has in, just embraced her status as a B-list star. And she's not in, like, a pretentious or self-serving way. She's kind of like, that's me. And she used to have really fun guests, and she would let them talk. And it was fun. It was interesting to listen to, and she kind of is similar in, like, the Gilmore Girls mantra of you know life is short talk fast so Mm -hmm. if you if you love busy phillips and you love b-list actresses who are happy in their place of relevance wherever that is i recommend that (laughs) there you go um let's move on to this episode because we're never going to get to it if not (laughs) no i think we're going to have a lot to say about this one in particular i don't have that much to say about this one actually oh i was like just writing down things like crazy for this episode (laughs) So we switched roles from last week. Yes. Already. <laughs> um, all right. So this is the infamous spring break episode mm-hmm. um, where Rory and Paris decide to go to Florida for spring yes. break. By the way, I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than go to Florida. Especially on, now. Especially now. <laughs> especially now. Especially there was a lot of people, you know in general this year who were flocking to florida even as miss rona raged on but that's a different story um i to florida ever oh okay i mean i've been to florida several times it's uh i've been to florida once it was enough yeah it's not you know offense if there's any uh floridans listening but um... okay but if you're already in listening you have to know why <laughs> you know why your state is trash 
Yeah, unfortunately. You know? Like, uh, <laughs> Florida, Florida level with me. You know why nobody wants to come visit you. And especially I would not want to go to Florida during spring break. Um, I think I've referenced this before. I American college spring break just in terms of the way I the way I've seen it portrayed in pop culture just scares me like actually scares me yeah that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit because I just so happened um to watch recently an episode of the Goldbergs okay I've seen it before yes yeah so it was on whatever and I just watched it and it happened to be an episode where um the the older brother and the sister were were watching an MTV spring break special. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, well, we have to go. We have to visit, like, our grandfather who lives in Fort Lauderdale as, like, a ruse to get to MTV spring break. And I, too, like you, I think, have only ever seen, like, the crazy side of spring break portrayed in pop culture. Yeah. And I'm, like, none of that appeals to me. <laughs> Absolutely zero percent of it appeals to me. And by the way, <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to be a worker, like a hotel worker, mm. or like anything, like a bar worker during like spring break. I'm not sure. I think I have told this story before. I'm pretty sure I have. I've told. Uh, I'm. You remember when I had to watch Spring Break, Spring Breakers, that movie with Selena Gomez yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, Ashley Benson for a cinema class in my very first semester of CJEP and I was traumatized by it. Yeah. Yeah. Just for several different reasons, obviously, but mostly what comes to mind whenever I see, you know, American spring break portrayed in pop culture is Veronica Mars, because I'm Veronica Mars, uh, Neptune, California was a big spring break destination and lots of things went wrong. So I think I've, I've seen off four seasons of Veronica Mars and I don't wish to ever have that come true. Alrighty then. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't like Veronica Mars. Yeah, and uh that's a bone of that's a bone of contention here and we're gonna move on. Alrighty then. Yeah, I just um like none of it appeals to me. I'm very much like Paris and Rory where I'm like, I don't wanna do this. I think it's a very uh a very common perspective shared by introverts, would you agree? Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. But, you know, if I were to go, if, I, if ever there comes a day where we're allowed to travel again and I were to go somewhere warm, my ideal vacation is literally just sitting on a beach and reading. Yeah. Like, every time I've gone to Greece, I've done the same thing. <laughs> like, just let me be. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to go out, argue with people about drinks, clubs, getting in, travel uber oh leave me alone yeah <laughs> get out of here i have no desire to do that no i think I, I think for me correct like tell me if you agree or if, if you've had a similar experience for me traveling especially when i was little like everyone's always said you know i've been an old man since i was little um which has its own consequences but um for me like traveling sh- shouldn't be as stressful as it as it is like Oh God, to yeah. me, like, especially when you're a kid, because I find that, like, if you're traveling either with your family or if, like, your family plus another family, it's just, like, everyone's trying to, you know, pencil things into the calendar to keep the kids occupied or keep us occupied. Like, we're on vacation, we should be out doing stuff. And I totally get that, because obviously you're paying money to go somewhere and there's stuff to do, things to see. I get it. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, 
and you know we've vacationed less steadily as I've gotten older as like like me and my family but yeah. as I've gotten older I just realized that vacation shouldn't be this stressful like it shouldn't be in terms of when I say stressful not in terms of planning and like accommodations I mean like planning things to do like if I don't want to do anything like that's my prerogative like I'm on vacation and it's just weird to me that a, like to some adults even no offense if no offense if, if you like to be hustle and bustle on your vacation that's perfectly fine but just not for me and even as a teenager I'm like I don't I don't want to do that and it was only once I got to that age where my parents would be like okay you can stay here and read if you want I'm like great bye bye <laughs> no so. definitely I think like I hate this notion of like we're on vacation, let's wake up early and soak up every day. Like, I want to sleep in on vacation. Exactly, you know, and like, especially when I was little, I felt bad if I wanted to sleep in and I couldn't because there was stuff to do. And it's like, I know that either my parents or other people in my family were paying for this. And it's like, okay, I get it. We have to be up, we have to go. And my mom would always like, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a pretty high maintenance person, as you can probably attest. So um, my mom would always say, okay, we're just going to go with the flow. We're not going to, we're not going to stress we're not going to do this we're not going to do that and like so I would feel bad because I would feel like I you know if I complained or if I didn't want to do something I'd be seen as difficult and so I would just kind of work overtime to just be quiet and make myself invisible and not you know not cause a not cause a ruckus and then it, as I got older I just realized that that's that's not a way to live and that's not a way to be on vacation <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Vacation should not be stressful. You shouldn't make me do anything I don't want to do on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that whole that whole scene where Rory and Paris are like, oh, well, we got a pizza and we're watching The Power of Myth. And like, I love like I love that book. Uh, the move the good lord the video st- You know, like that's yeah. that's what you want to do on vacation. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. every has to be like soak up the sun because you're in florida like you know i I just i just love i love that scene we're we're all over the place we're not even going chronologically here Um, but i love that scene in particular obviously because they get you know they get pizza they they go to the video store they get the power of myth it's like it's kind of like the that stupid guilty pleasure paradigm of i shouldn't be doing this but i want to do this and therefore i'm indulging in it um but i love how they they like they hear screaming and yelling and ha- people having fun outside so like oh are we doing this wrong should we be out there there's they, no right way to vacation yeah but but i like how they briefly toy with we should be out there like we should like that like to to them what everyone else is doing outside is the only way to vacation right so it's like let's we should be doing that and they get to the door and it's like tomorrow's fine like they real they realize they stop themselves they're like i don't want to do that that doesn't sound like fun to me what sounds like fun to me is getting back in bed eating pizza and watching the power of myth exactly that's fun to you it might not be fun to madeline louise but like you're having a good time fuck it yes anyways um okay so can we talk about the best fucking line of the whole series in my opinion oh you mean what you wanted to title our podcast originally (laughs) yes i did and then you were a buzzkill oh my god okay just for that can this episode please be titled tire tubes no why not? Because. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm joking. It's probably going to be Tyler. <laughs> um, no. So Paris and Rory. So let's start at the beginning. Paris and Rory decide for some stupid fucking reason that while everyone's getting ready to go on spring break, they're going to stage a protest. 
in the cold, dark, spring, yucky weather. Listen, so forget about the fact that, like, listen, I'm not saying it's, like, you're idiots. It's a noble cause. I fucking get it. But who are you thinking is going to sign your fucking petition when everyone's leaving campus? Only, not even that. I feel like no one would have, that, that, like, their whole protest was just pitiful. It was just, like, them at a tiny little table with a bristle board and a and a clipboard. Like, what? No, I'm... Yeah. Like, if you wanted it to... Like, obviously, if you wanted it to be a bigger protest, you'd need more people than just you in Paris, but... Yeah, it's also... <laughs> it is really pathetic, I think. Um, you know, and I think that line where Paris is like, it's our first, you know, time taking a social stance in college. I'm like, you're doing it terribly. Like, <laughs> like it shows. It shows that it's your first yeah. time. You think Burma's gonna take your little fucking petition seriously? <laughs> And they're like, where's a little bowl of rice? It's like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just, yeah. That whole thing was just, ugh, you, you're doing it wrong, ladies. But anyways. um, So then it starts to rain, and they're wimps, and they go inside. And the stupidest girl on the planet, <laughs> a lady who probably, you know, can't even tie her own shoes, <laughs> says, is it raining? And she's when standing right the- next to the door. Like, you can see it. Okay, the fucking window is right there. Oh, my God. And then Paris says the best line. I will die by this, by the way. The best line in the whole series. No, it's National Baptism Day. Tire tubes, idiot. <laughs> like, what brilliance, Jeffrey? I would argue that this episode is not only one of the best of season four, um, but also is peak Paris Geller. So I agree with the peak Paris Geller. I don't agree with the best of season four. Okay. In my opinion, it's one of my favorites. No, that's fine. I just think like we were on, listen, it's a good episode. I'm not arguing, but we've had a really good steady, like, uptick in good episodes. So it's like been hit after hit after hit after hit for me. Mm-hmm. Like the past four, let's say, and then like this one, I'm like, oh, just because the other one set the bar so high for me. <laughs> okay, yeah, because like we don't see Emily, we don't see Emily and Richard in this episode, obviously. Um, so it's not like it's not like one of one of those episodes where it's every single cast member is involved or something. Yeah. Um, but what I like, I think I just I like this episode and in, in its position in the season, you know, like. Um, there's Jason, there's Jason and Lorelai, um, plot moving forward. And then there's Luke and Nicole plot, um, which is still a horrible mess. And I will, and I'll die by that. Yeah. Sure. I'll die right there with you. Um, so should we, what should we talk about first? We're all over the map as usual. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, so we talked about their little protest what happens after is that Lorelai goes to the diner and Luke is especially grumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently because Lorelai is so snooty. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was um, going to say, if you ask Scott Patterson, it's because Lorelai is a bitch. No, whatever. Um, so he's he's very grumpy and we find out there's good reason for it um, because he is not wearing his socks. Oh, right. Yes. I wrote that in my notes. I'm like, Luke is not wearing his socks. Yeah, so... The whole thing is that he's he knows that these are not his socks, and it leads him to believe that they're another man's socks. So he 
you know, it's implied that he thinks Nicole is cheating on him. Mm-hmm. And as much as Lorelai tries to, you know, kind of persuade him, well, like, maybe they're Jess's socks, maybe they're her gym socks, like this and that, he's like, no, I'm not wearing my socks. These are not my socks. Um, I felt really bad for him. Yeah, and it's not even that we're meant to... Like, obviously, I think the writers knew what they were doing and that they want to all of a sudden demonize Nicole because she's cheating on him and yeah, it's, and et cetera. Like, I know they were doing that on purpose because we obviously know what happens at the end of season four. But um, what just what what makes me angry of uh, many things about Luke and Nicole's story, obviously, as we've, you know, talked about at length this season. But what. Like, what angers me the most right now is that all this action is happening with Luke's character, and where's Nicole? Again, absent. Like, we don't even see her, and we like we just see snippets, and it's not even that we need her for this to be important for Luke, but it's just like, why did, and not that, not that we needed, it's hard to say, I'm conflicted, because it's not that I needed more from Nicole, not that I wanted to see her more, it's just that if you're going to have... Lorelai occupied with Jason and Luke apparently occupied with Nicole. I'm was gonna need better, like better pacing, better plotting, better writing for one of those two stories. And not that I, like I said, not that I want more of Nicole. It's just like have her maybe sitting in the diner, like just a casual scene of oh maybe she's annoyed because Luke isn't paying attention to her or like something. Like just like give us a little sprinkle more, not just like random episodes with a bunch of a bunch of story that w- should have been spread out across the whole season yeah i i think i'm with you i don't it's not that i need nicole um mm-hmm. but we talked about it at the beginning of this season so much of luke's story involves nicole but she's not there so yeah. there's, there's a there's a huge disconnect i think in terms of the viewer getting the full picture yeah um and so even though we feel for luke which I do feel for him in this episode, it's also a little hard because I don't, I don't know. I'm like over it because I haven't seen her. Mm-hmm. Even though we got a snippet of her last week, it was just them fighting and there was nothing really substantial about it. Yeah. If you're going to have them break up in such a monumental way, like a cheating storyline, mm-hmm. um, at least have her there for that. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, what was, and I would, and I've said it a thousand times before, I wanted, I want to believe it's because the actress was doing other things and couldn't commit to more than just a couple of appearances she did make in season four, because otherwise, like, I don't know, I think it's probably both, maybe the actress was occupied elsewhere, and the writers was like, oh, well, Luke and Nicole isn't that important. We're focused on other things in season four. And I understand that because, again, I really didn't need anything more from them. What I needed was, if you're going to give me all of this crucial character development for Luke, because you can't not say that his marriage to Nicole didn't affect his uh, future relationship with Lorelai, like that I will also die on. Yeah. Just, if, you wanted, if you wanted this marriage that Luke and Nicole had to be like, to include such character-defining moments for Luke, I need you to at least pace it and plot it better. Like, I'm not saying I needed Nicole to be around for more of that, but just, like, mm-hmm. just drop her in a little bit. Like, Kirk has is, Kirk is dropped in everywhere, obviously, because Sean Gunn was in the main cast at this point, but it's just, like, more. Like, do something, but 
it's fine if you want to do it to the bare minimum, but just like give me something. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, and that's the thing too. Like I think at least at least have her there when the marriage comes to an end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like again, she wasn't there when the marriage ended. She wasn't there when the marriage began. We just like we got a story told by Luke both yeah. times. And by the way, I'm looking at her IMDb page right now, and it doesn't look like she was doing anything else. <laughs> I mean, this was. I mean, she did a couple guest appearances around the same I mean, time. Anything where she was like her time was occupied full time. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, she was more of a. I see guest appearances here and there, but I don't see anything. Um, like a full-time recurring character or a film, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. not, um, so I don't know, in that sense, I think maybe, like we talked about it last week too, I think they kind of realized the clock is ticking to end this relationship, so let's just end it. Yeah. Um, By the way, the actress's name, in case anyone didn't know, is Trisha O'Kelly, and I think her biggest, her best-known role, correct me if I'm wrong, is on the new, the new Adventures of Old Christine. That's where so- I know her from. Yeah, and so she she did a, like she did a, like a couple of similar sitcom guest appearances here and yeah. there. Um, maybe I'll maybe we should tweet her because I follow her on Twitter. I said that before, but we will ask like, what was the deal with Nicole? Like, did they not want you around? <laughs> maybe we could have her on the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, we find out that Luke is not wearing his socks, and then just to kind of stick with this storyline. Lorelai gets home one day and has a voicemail uh, from Luke on her answering machine saying, hey, I need you to come pick me up because I've been arrested. Yeah. Um, can I talk about why I'm frustrated with Lorelai? Um, okay. <laughs> we're, all, we mean, we're always frustrated with her. So well, I'm most, I love her, but I'm always frustrated with her. But in this scene in particular... She listens to the message from Luke and he's like, hey, when you get this, can you come pick me up? And she's like, oh, fuck it. And she's going upstairs and she's like, oh, I don't want to go pick him up. And then he's like, I'm at the police station. She's like, oh, fuck, I have to go pick him up. Yeah. The fact that you were going to, if Luke is asking you for a ride, I'm talking about even before you knew he was arrested. Yeah. If Luke is asking you for a ride, it means something's wrong already right mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't even if he was just stranded somewhere or he needed like he needed a lift right mm-hmm. luke has done so much for you i know <laughs> we're just gonna ignore that message and go to bed yeah <laughs> mm, fuck you <laughs> <laughs> that seems super out of character for me and yeah i don't know maybe it was just like a little excuse me it was i don't know i don't I was... know it was the first real time that I watched it, and it bugged me. I was going to say, like, maybe she figured out, oh, the message is old. He's, or, like, from, you know, a few hours ago. Like, maybe he's figured it out by now. See ya. Yeah. Bye-bye. Like, even, but even then. <laughs> but even then, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Luke, yeah. Like, Luke would, draw, Luke would, like, go to the ends of the earth for you and your and your child. Let's, yeah, 100%. Let's remember that when, when, when Lorelai's father... Was in the hospital when Rich, Lorelai's father, when Richard, <laughs> when Richard was in the hospital at Christmas time, he literally closed the diner yeah. and said, food's on me. Get out. <laughs> Get out and let's go. You know what I mean? So, hey, yeah. listen, maybe Scott Patterson's on to something. <laughs> um, hmm. I'm kidding. Fuck him. Let's, um, yeah, let's not give him any credit. <laughs> no. Anyway, so we find out um, Luke has been arrested because 
he he told Nicole he was going to be working late, but really what he did was he drove out to their apartment and he watched her and another man get out of the car and go into what he thinks is their house, but it's not. <laughs> and yeah. any case, she is cheating on him. His 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 alarm bells rang for a reason. Um and he got arrested for kicking the guy's car. Which, like, valid. Listen, better I kick your car than your face. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so, I don't understand, in general, there's a lot of things I don't understand. But I don't understand the... So I get that they're trying to make Nicole a villain to say, like, fuck her, we're getting divorced, whatever. You know what I mean? That I understand. But it just seems very weird, this whole storyline of she was the one that came to him and said, listen, let's not get a divorce. Let's put this divorce on hold. Let's keep dating slash being married. (laughs) It's dumb, I know, but that's what it is. And then to say, and then, like, so that was your idea. Mm-hmm. And then to cheat on him? At that point, just you were going to get a divorce anyways. Just say it's not working. Let's break up. Yeah. That, to me, is very inconsistent, too. Yeah. So, for me, again, it just reinforces what I said last week of I think it was really just they needed to do it, and they needed to do it fast, and they needed to do it in a way that let the audience know that it really is over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do yeah. You- something to do with like the Rachel storyline um I don't know honestly I think to me the Rachel storyline lived and died in season one like I don't think that um really like I think they kind of replaced Rachel with Nicole in Luke's conscious in terms like you know what I mean like in terms of the effect that those women had on him overall and I think later on they replaced both Rachel and Nicole with Anna like I think only it was like in the way that they wrote Luke's past like loose past relationships it was like only one could exist at a time so like Nicole was like when Nicole was around nothing else existed but when Rachel was around nothing else existed and then when Anna was around neither of them existed no I yeah I get that but for me it was more like I think in this sense, because I've seen a couple of things online where everyone's like, the Rachel storyline was very much, um, like, she was pretty much the only other woman that we didn't entirely hate. Mm-hmm. Kind of left things open. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we we kind of, I think we, like, argued to the point of agreeing on Rachel back in our season one. I don't um, know. <laughs> I think, like, I I personally enjoyed parts of the Rachel storyline. I I think the way that they villainized Nicole at this point was obviously intentional. But, like I said, Nicole wasn't around enough for me to really give her a fair opinion. Yeah. No, that's fair. (laughs) Um, No, no, I agree. It's just, it's really hard to... I mean, it's easy to feel bad for Luke when when such drastic things are taken. Mm -hmm. So, like, when we go right away from, like, them being, okay, arguing to then her saying, I'm going to cheat on him. So it's easy to feel bad and to say, well, like, fuck Nicole. But, you know, we didn't see very much of her anyways. So then we're like, well, what do you want? (laughs) 
Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah, no, we're not gonna. Like, it's not like we're gonna spend more time dwelling on it, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, it is what it is. We do feel bad for Luke. Um, and I and I and I do have to say, I I like I liked Lorelai's reaction to Luke in saying, you know, like being honest with him and saying, like, listen, I know I've never really been a fan of Nicole's, and I've never really. You know, I haven't been supportive of this whole divorce on hold, still dating, but married thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't deserve this. And, you know, just the fact that she was honest with him in that moment. Yeah. I I appreciated that. For sure. In terms of, yes, for for, for sure. In terms of Lorelai just acknowledging that... I don't really, like, she doesn't really have a, an opinion one way or the other of, on Nicole, especially at this point, but like the rest of us, obviously, she's just like, you, but you don't deserve to be treated like shit. Yeah, exactly. So, it's true, Luke. It's true. <laughs> Should okay. we return to uh, Paris and Rory in Florida? Let's. <laughs> um, personally, I'd love to travel with Paris Geller. <laughs> Listen, if she's going to keep bringing out those tips, 100%. And just, like, I don't know. Her, like, I obviously see myself in a lot, in a lot of different ways in Paris. But especially now in this episode, it's why I say, like, peak Paris Geller. Especially when, like, the, the, the guys on the beach are playing volleyball and the ball rolls over to where they're standing. He's like, throw the ball. No! <laughs> yeah, she seems very, like... He's <laughs> just so angry and bitter. I'm like... That's thank you. You give voice to my anger and my bitterness. <laughs> I mean, the difference I think between us and Paris Geller is we wouldn't have the balls to like be that way in public. No, probably like, not. Unless I, unless I knew the guy and I hated him, I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But she's just like, oh, this ball, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah. Um, does it surprise you at all that Paris is a crazy driver? Um, no, and you're going to get mad at me for this, um, but I'm going to say it in, like, small, in a small, small way, um, the way that, uh, Glenn was describing Paris as a driver, um, with, the, with like, the driving, with, like, the driving school car, and she's like, I'm, they're, they're going to school, I'm getting their money's worth. <laughs> there you go. Um, to me, please don't yell, reminded me a little bit of our, of our road trip three years ago, a little, little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but mind you, mind you, the difference between you and Paris is that you had reason to drive around your cars because they were going way too slow on an 80 mile an hour road. Okay, can I just can I just clear something up right now? <laughs> Jeffrey the diva <laughs> fell asleep. True. And like left me to drive with my own thoughts <laughs> for three and a half hours. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, finish. Then I'll then I'll then I'll refute. Can finish. <laughs> um. Okay. I fell asleep because I was uh, on a train for twelve hours and didn't sleep very well on the train. And you encouraged me to sleep in the car. Thank you very much. Well, I encourage you to sleep in the car because we were going hiking. True. Okay. We have mixed feelings. <laughs> Anyways, I just have to say, like. Northern Quebec, very beautiful. The Gaspé region, very gorgeous. People can't drive for shit up there. No, and honestly, it did, I wasn't really 
I, I wasn't really shocked by like that driving style of like we're going around all these cars because I remember when I was a kid like my parents would do the same thing if we were driving up north like like we would pass drivers my parents would get all bitter about it like I was used to it it was a, it was a nice throwback to the days of yore no but <laughs> like first of all number one if you think I'm apologizing for my driving fuck you um, <laughs> number two if somebody is going 60 and the speed limit is 90 I'm going around them yes <laughs> care how beautiful the scenery is out the way bitch move um but i just have to say paris like when they get there says that she shaved three hours off the map quest um estimates oh remember map quest number one remember map quest number two do you know how crazily you have to be driving to shave three hours off a 20 hour drive i was gonna say not only that the most unrealistic part of this episode is that they make it look like Connecticut to Florida is like a short little road trip. Yeah, they're like, oh, Florida? Two hours away. Like one scene to the next, they're in, like they're in Lorelai's driveway, and the next they're in they're and at the motel. In Fort Lauderdale, and everything's they look fine. They have it like go, and Janet's going for a run. Like go away. <laughs> like no, thank you. It's two in the morning when they get there, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we said that before. This sh- the show has a problem with like distances. It does. But yeah, in reality, that's a 19-hour drive. And uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, yeah. So we also see Madeline and Louise. Yes, and I, and I momentarily forgot we also saw them at the beginning of season four. But this this is the most this is the more notable reappearance. Yeah, they weren't there for long at the beginning of season four. This is um. This is, uh, I don't know, this has staying power, shall I say? Yeah, I think, like, in retrospect, when they appeared at the very beginning of season four, that was just, like, fluff to not really, like, they didn't really, I think they didn't know what else to put in the episode in that, in terms of guest appearances in that one. So this, but this one, they're like, no, it makes sense that Rory and Paris would run into Madeline Louise on spring break. So, like, let's make it more of a, of a reunion. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, spring break, when you think spring break, you don't think, um, Paris and Rory territory, you think more Madeline Louise territory, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what they say. I never thought I'd see Paris Geller on spring break. Well, yeah, but, you know, you, you kind of have to think that Paris and Rory are not going to hang out with Janet and her friends, right? They're not, no. they're not part of that crowd. <laughs> so, um, you know, it made sense. I kind of enjoyed seeing them. Mm-hmm. It had been a while. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the scenes where all four of them are together and like, yeah. um, there's a lot of good interaction. But aside from that, uh, Madeline Louise kind of represents the elements of spring break within American popular culture that scare me, as <laughs> I said earlier. Um, just because, you know, not, I don't want to, you know, project any internalized misogyny but um, and I'm, and I think obviously Matt and Louise can more than hold their own in the spring break world of Florida. But I don't know. To me, it's just scary in terms of how, especially in the early 2000s, as you as you mentioned on the Goldbergs of the MTV spring break footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you lived through that and lived to tell the tale, that's a whole different story. But it's just to me. The way that girls versus boys were perceived, like, were 
framed, I guess, in the spring break culture is just like, I'm viewing this through a Veronica Mars lens at the moment, but it's like, it's just, I don't know. I expect something bad to happen. Like, Well, listen, <laughs> I, it's Gilmore Girls, so we know nothing bad is going to happen, right? Hmm. Um, but I understand what you're saying with the misogyny. Um, first of all, Paris and, uh, Paris and Louise. Madeline and Louise say that they've been there for a month. Yeah. And they've been, like, kind of skating by on, you know, guys buying them free drinks and, you know, having a napping routine down. You know, like, all these things that they're saying that they've done to keep up with, um, I guess, the culture there is is a better way to say it. And the Um, twins. Sorry? And the twins. And the twins, yeah. The thing that I was, like, ugh about was... The whole kissing thing? Yeah. Like, that... Yeah, I understand why that's iffy, obviously. Um, I think, like, in my opinion, though, the kissing part is, like, the only kind of self-empowerment element that kind of holds up for me. Like, how so? How do I explain? Um, like, if you've ever seen Spring Breakers, unfortunately... It's just, like, the culture of spring break in general, I think, is very misogynistic. I think yeah. we can just put that out there. Um, so you kind of expect, uh, you know, young men and the boys will be boys mentality um, in this in this arena. So whenever... That's why I think Madeline and Louise can hold their own, obviously. But, like, whenever you see... Like a like you know like a little naive girl who doesn't know any better. That's to me when I'm like, okay, something bad's gonna happen. And I think in the context of Matt and Louise like kissing, that's that to me proves that like they know like they like they know how to play the game and they know like how to position themselves. Yeah, um, like for you're saying that um like for Madeline Louise, it's not very much um it's it's still obviously misogynistic but they 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 use it to their advantage kind of thing so that they're not being taken advantage of yeah it's kind of like a like a sex in the city third word third wave feminism kind of thing got it (laughs) no no i understand what you're saying i think just the part that just annoys me is that um and this is spring break in general like all these you know like girls gone wild things um, exactly like, those are all marketed as, like, girls come to Florida for spring break to get crazy, and you can literally see anything you want here. Like, just buy them a couple of drinks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I understand what you're saying in the context of Madeline Louise. They want to be, not objectified, but they want the free drinks, so they're going to do it. They don't care, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I think in that sense, it's not very problematic. But I think if you look at spring break culture as a whole... And, you know, what it's what it's become to a lot of college students. It is very I think guys still have the expectations because they're being taught that, like, women will just flash you. I think guys still have the expectation when they go on spring break that, like, oh, I'm going to get so laid. Like, you know what I mean? That very macho, misogynistic attitude of, like, women are, like, made for me to consume. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I in the context of this episode, do I think it was super problematic? Maybe not. But again, the reason spring break makes me feel iffy in general is just that whole culture that we've built around it, you know? 
Yeah, like, not in terms of, um, like, not in terms of, Mar- of like, Madeline and Louise themselves wanting to be taken advantage of, but they, like, they like the fact that they mentioned they've been there for a month, like, they skated by there for a month, like, that to me proves they know how to protect themselves, yeah. maybe. So it's just, like, not that, the, like, them appearing and them telling stories, like, freaks me out. It's just, like, in general, I know, you know, that it represents a larger, very problematic culture. And I'm not really sure where that culture stands today. Like, cause you know, Veronica Mars took place the same, the same era as Gilmore Girls and Spring Breakers was in 2013, I believe. So I'm not sure if the culture has changed anything in the later part of the 2010s and into the, into the 2020s. But um, my mentality is still of a past era, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to change that mentality when that's still what we're being shown, right? So yeah, like like maybe they've toned down the girls gone wild advertisements a little. I don't know, but even then, like the 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 spring break culture in general within American college students, I think is pretty much still withstanding. Anyways, um, what? No, never mind. <laughs> I was gonna say something, but then I thought better of it. Um, <laughs> We see that um, it's pretty much the first time maybe Rory drinks, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if they meant to put that in there as like a she's enjoying herself on spring break, whatever. Or I think the way I saw it was like, see, Rory had a drink and she's fine. You know what I mean? I mean, did she drink? Uh, I don't remember. Did she drink if... Um, if <laughs> did she drink when they were having that like her mom no i guess she didn't like when her mom helped her for that party when they first moved into the dorm no okay so then no because no. she also did, she also didn't drink at the infamous party in season three either so I'm, yeah so this must be the first time she's drinking yeah and i think to me it was more of um so i think it's it, it served two purposes number one it was um, a way for them to kind of show Lorelai as the cool mom again mm-hmm. with her telling her at the beginning like don't drink and then when you're done not drinking take an aspirin and drink water like she knew her daughter's going on spring break she's going to drink obviously you know what I mean like mm-hmm. so it was um it was a, an opportunity for them to to show how Lorelai really trusts Rory yeah and how um she knows that even if she's going to drink she's going to be responsible about it right yeah and I think that 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 serves as a direct contrast to what happens at the end of season four. Oh yes. So we went from a place of like, I really trust my daughter. She's a good kid to like, I don't fucking know my daughter at all. Yeah. Maybe not that extreme, but you know what I mean? And then I think it also, um, the other purpose that it served was really to tell people like, see college kids sometimes drink. It's fine. Rory's a good girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, I think it was trying to show the flip side of, like, you can, you know, a teenager or a young adult can drink and not die. Well, that's the thing. I was about to say, like, on a, on a network where, of the like, the WB, where everything was very family-friendly and, like, catastrophized a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, you know, storylines on Seventh Heaven where they're, like, drinking and it's a disaster. You know what I mean? I was going to say, like, didn't something, wasn't there a lot of storylines on Seventh Heaven where, every, like, they drank and something, like the like, the sky fell? Yeah, basically. So I was, I think to me, like, it was a way for the writers to be like, see, it's not, it's, it's okay. It's 
sometimes nothing bad happens when you drink, you know? Um, So I think it was just their way of saying not, not a fuck you to the network, but saying like nothing, not everything is like, Oh, this is a teachable moment, you know, like an after school special. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not that deep sometimes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, so the thing that I also found very interesting in this episode is how they're really pushing the Dean storyline. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably the reason why you didn't like it, or you don't like what it what it entails, what it foreshadows, because there's a big, big Dean foreshadowing here. Yeah, um, I don't remember. I'm trying to like I when I watched it, I was trying to think back to what to get back into that mindset of what I thought when I first first watched this when it aired. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think of, you know, what are they trying to do here? Yeah. Now, obviously, we know what they were trying to do, right? Yeah. Remember, and maybe somebody who's watched it for the first time recently can let us know what they thought. But I'm trying to, like, think, what what are they trying, what were they trying to, like, work their way up to? Because mm-hmm. head, as a first-time viewer, you're never thinking what's going to happen, right? No. So in my head, I'm just like, what was I thinking at that age at this point? Like, they're getting friendly? <laughs> like, they're going to be friends again? And then you have in the back of your mind that, like, Dean obviously still loves her. Like, I'm just like, I I just remember thinking this is going to blow up in their faces, but not in the way that I that it actually did. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? To me, when I, if I recall, when I, wa- when I was watching season four for the first time, I obviously didn't predict what happened at the end of season four mm-hmm. but I do remember thinking like oh they're going back down the path of Rory and Dean and at the time I remember thinking that it kind of made sense although I wasn't really down for it because I'd already given my heart away to Jess but at the same time I was like I don't I don't see the point of rehashing Rory and Dean yeah because for us they're done it's over yeah, and to me, even now, but at the time especially, I'm thinking, like, season four was starting to drag a little bit um, at the, towards the end when they were, like, rehashing Dean. And, like, I don't want to see Dean. Like, I don't care about Dean anymore. Yeah. And that was and that was before, you know, Eleni had turned me on to all of the little, little itsy-bitsy ways that Dean was toxic pre-Jess, pre-marriage, pre-virginity, etc. So, um, at the time, I was like, I just don't care for Dean anymore. Dean's the worst for reasons I didn't didn't yet art, know how to articulate, but I didn't want any more Dean content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I, I mean, it it's, just... it's hard to say because we've obviously seen it too many times now. But <laughs> but I was just I was trying my hardest to kind of be like, think of Eddie, what was it like? But you know, I don't know. But then the the scene that really fucking annoyed me at the end. When he calls her. Oh, oh dear. I had a good time. I have so many questions for you. I even wrote them down. Right? You're married. <laughs> but, like, aside from the fact you're married, aside from the fact you should be having a life outside of your ex-girlfriend from high school, like, aside from all that, um, you are such a loser. You wrote so, You wrote questions down. <laughs> About her spring break experience? Like, get a life. But that, to me, is also, like, the writers trying to, like, push this narrative of, like, he's really not happy. 
Yeah. And not just because of, you know, the life that, not just, like, it's more of a, what we talked about a couple of episodes ago of, like, living kind of vicariously through her. Mm-hmm. And because she's happy, he needs to, like, soak up every minute of it. Oh, yes. So I'm just like, you wrote down questions, you absolute shitbag. Are you aware of the meme that says, get a job, stay away from her? Yes. <laughs> so that's yes. what came to mind when, when I was watching this and right, taking notes. I'm like, Dean needs to get a job and stay away from her. Hopefully he has a job. <laughs> but even then, just like get a life, go away. We don't want yeah. you in here anymore. No, I completely agree with that. Get a fucking life. Like I don't understand. You wrote questions down. Have you ever <laughs> been to the beach? Like, what questions are you gonna ask her? What's sand like? Like, what is? <laughs> <laughs> once, once again, my mind returns to Mike Desenzo's take on what Dean would have been doing during the pandemic, which is. Trying to trying to reconnect with Rory and saying, I remember you teaching me about pandemic about pandemics and stuff. You're so smart. Mm. Like you're so smart. I wrote some questions down. What's sand? Where's the beach? Where's Florida? <laughs> oh, anyways, it's just it's, it's too much. It's too much. Go away. <laughs> anyways, um, last thing I wanted to talk about this episode was Jason and Lorelai's relationship. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, with everything else that goes on, it, it does kind of get pushed to the back of my brain. But when I, like, when I rewatch, like, all of season four, like, at once, it, um, this episode does stand out as a pivotal moment for them. Yeah, 100%. So, um, Lorelai wakes up at Jason's house, and he's making breakfast, and, you know, she's coming out, she has clothes there, and it's like, it's all very domestic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? She seems very comfortable in his house. Um, with him. I think, I would argue that it's the most comfortable I've seen her so far. And might I just say, everyone who's like, Jason's the worst, blah, blah, blah. Um, did you ever see her this comfortable with Max? Never. Never. So Never. why is it, why do you all choose Max and Nina over Jason Stiles any day? I do not understand. Yeah. And don't explain it to me because you already tried and I, don't, and I don't agree. Yeah, well, I also think part of the reason a lot of people, um, the reason she's a little bit more comfortable with Jason, mm-hmm. and this is me just speculating at this point, um, I think she's just, she has less to think about in her relationship with Jason. So, like, if you recall, Max was asking her, like, what is my role in Rory's life? Like, how do I be a good stepfather to her? We're past that with Rory at this point, right? Yeah. So, like, Rory's raised. She's grown. We don't need to think about that. It's it's the I think it's the first time in a relationship she's only thinking about herself. Yeah. Meaning not just about herself, but like her happiness. You know what I mean? Her daughter's out of the house. She doesn't have to think about like bringing a guy home and making her uncomfortable. Um, you know, with Max, it was very Rory was still very young, so it was very much like she does need a male role model. Um, and he is going to be living with us. So what do I do? With Christopher, it was a lot of, you know, um, this is my father, my my daughter's, the father of my daughter. So there's a lot of actual family dynamics, you know. So I think it's just the first time that it's really just, she's had time to focus on what she really wants. Yeah, I would agree 100%, especially considering that Max was also Rory's teacher, which. Yeah, well, that was a whole other layer. 
Yeah. Um, us poo-poo. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's just the first time that she's comfortable enough to say, like, you know, I'm good. I don't have to think about anything other than just being in the moment with him. And in the moment, I'm really happy. You know what I mean? And I'm willing to con- I'm willing to bet that none of you who hate Jason Styles so much consider these elements and layers of their story. I think all they think about is, oh, Jason's arrogant and I hate his suit. He's too short. He's too short. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, so we see Jason giving Lorelai a key to his apartment. And it's uh, hella awkward. <laughs> yeah, like I want, I, I almost want to like reach to the screen and like help Jason. I'm like, no, no, we don't say, don't say that, don't. Yeah. So, part of me is like, because up until this point, Jason has really had no problem communicating with Lorelai. Mm-hmm. So remember, he he went to the inn and when she confronted him about like taking somebody else to a charity event, and he was like, well, no, no, that was your choice. You know what I mean? Like he's always been really straightforward with her. Yeah. So it seems a little bit weird that right now he's struggling, but don't forget, it's also a really big step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because because she's still so apprehensive about telling her parents, mm-hmm. I think in the back of his mind, he's like, like, what if I scare her off even more? Yeah. So the whole thing, the original, like, here's a key. I made one just in case you're, like, behind me one day. (laughs) So you don't have to wait in the hall. (laughs) So you don't have to wait in the hall when I'm not, like, it was just a mess, you know? Like, (laughs) you could understand what he was trying to say, but it was just a mess. And then when they go out on their dates, um, he says that whole speech about, like, this is about the time that I start running. And I'm like, Jason, no, honey. (laughs) No. <laughs> I like how Lorelai remarks that you had a whole day before I even got up. And there's just so many people who are like that. And I, and I, and I don't understand you. Like, I, I, I admi- a part of me admires you, but the other part's just like, no. Yeah. I want to be one of those people. I, I don't know if you've seen this tweet where the guy's like, I want to be one of those people that, like, wakes up at six and has a smoothie and goes for a run. But I'm literally one of those people that wakes up at 11 and goes back to bed at noon. Yeah, sorry. No no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Um, but then when they're at the house and he's like, you know, the key was symbolic. It was supposed to say something. It was supposed to say I really cherish this relationship and blah, blah, blah. You can't look at me and tell me she's not fucking happy in that relationship. Yeah, I just, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get the naysayers. So- fucking happiest she's ever been honestly honestly i do agree that in the you know the realm of realms that luke and lorelei are endgame i do not negate that one i do just i believe that they're endgame i do not want to ever not believe that but in the world of season four in this instance not considering before and not considering after Jason is like her best boyfriend after Luke. We've said and, it. And not in terms of like Luke and his character and them together and their relationship because their relationship is a mess. Let's not even sugar sugarcoat that. No. It's just that not considering all the other drama conflama that happens throughout the whole show. Yep. Season four, Lorelai and Jason is just nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice not to have to think about you know all the things that we had to worry about within our 
in her past relationships. Like, yeah. like you knew she was going to fuck something up. You knew that, like, it wasn't going to last with Max because she was immature. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's nice just to see her fucking happy, guys. Yeah. And, like, less, her... like, less work has to go into it, just in general. It's more, yes, you're right. It's more effortless. Yeah, exactly. Like, easy. I'm not thinking about this. I'm happy in my relationship. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're all fucked. <laughs> Honestly, like, even now, I'm, I'm struggling to even find a reason why Luke and Lorelai was better than Jason and, and Lorelai. And, like, I know in the realm of realms that they're endgame. When I, again, I feel yeah. the stress. And I do believe that, even though Java Junkie is a terrible name. Um, it's just, I don't know. Especially now that we've discussed it to death. I'm just like, Jason and Lorelai deserve better. Listen, I understand, and we're going to get to it. I know it gets messy towards the end. I get it. But, like, oh, I just want those kids to love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, that's all I had for this episode. Um, I think that's all I have, too. I did, uh, before we um, recorded today, I had to, like, look up the power of myth. Because every single time I've watched this episode, I've never really known what it was. <laughs> hmm um, so for anybody who's curious, it's like a very famous uh, documentary miniseries, I guess, that was on PBS in the 80s. Um, so it was originally broadcast as six one-hour conversations between mythologist Joseph Campbell and, journal- and journalist Bill Moyers. And according to Wikipedia, it remains one of the most popular series in the history of American public television. So. Yeah, I think I've seen an episode or two. I'm, I'm honestly intrigued now. I'm sure it's pretty dated, seeing as how it aired in 1988. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure I saw an episode or two with my dad mm-hmm. um, back when we only had a couple of channels at my grandmother's house. Yeah. <laughs> yes, was one of them. And my dad was into all of that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen some. Yeah, my dad was also very into PBS when yeah. I was when I was younger. Um I've seen way too many Ken Burns documentaries to even uh, count. (laughs) You can't go wrong, Jeffrey. (laughs) No, and um, there was also, what was it called? There was this this PBS special that was always on, on like weekend mornings when I was younger. Um, I don't remember the guy's name. I should remember the name. I've seen the special so many times. It was this guy living in the wilderness. Um... I'm going to look it up after because I forget what, like, I should know it. I should know the name. I should know the guy. I should know the guy's name and the name of the special. But it was this guy who lived in the wilderness in Alaska. And it was just him chronicling <laughs> all this time in the wilderness. And then when I was really, when I was really little, it was pretty boring. But as I got older and I saw it so many times, I'm like, this is interesting of how he, like, just knew how to do all of this stuff. Yeah, I, think I, had, I think it, like, had a big impact on me, honestly. <laughs> But, um, yeah, there's a bunch of things that are, um, that we didn't appreciate when we were younger on PBS or on, like, public radio. Mm-hmm. Like, now I listen to NPR and I'm like, yes, come through with the content. But, like, <laughs> back then you're like, fuck this. <laughs> also, I wanted to ask you one last question before we left. Mm-hmm. Please. Do you know what a banana eating contest is? Um... Honestly, I feel like I should, but I don't. Okay. So if you'll recall, Paris is upset because she hasn't been able to get any real food. Mm-hmm. 
because it's spring break. So it's like vending machine food and junk food and whatnot. Yes. So there's an announcement that says the banana eating contest will be starting in five minutes. So she's like, oh, thank God, real food. Yeah. So she runs to the banana eating contest. And then you see her come back in a, in a, in a huff saying, excuse me for thinking a banana eating contest was about eating bananas. <laughs> so I had an inkling, like after she said that, I had an inkling as to what it was, but I looked it up on Urban Dictionary. Okay, so you, you didn't know either then. I don't feel bad. <laughs> I didn't know either. Um, like just based on her reaction growing up, I always knew it was probably something dirty. Yeah, me too. Because again, spring break, right? That's what they teach you. Mm-hmm. And this plays into the whole like misogyny of spring break that we were talking about. So a banana eating contest is where, well, it's described as promiscuous girls mm-hmm. giving multiple blowjobs to multiple men. Oh. And I guess whoever gives the most blowjobs wins. Okay. That's not what I would have guessed. I would have guessed it was something sexual, but with a banana. Like maybe... Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm I'm not joking. That's probably what I would have thought, too. Like, maybe, like, mimicking the act of a blowjob using a banana. Honestly, you're going to laugh. You know what I thought of first was, like, maybe who could put the most condoms on bananas? Jesus. <laughs> but that's, like, it's not science class, so. But, yeah, so that's what it is. So, again, this whole, um, you know, I think the reason why we're so grossed out by... <laughs> spring break culture in general is because of this shit exactly exactly like honestly spring break seems like it's really well seems like it would have been really fun for men but like so shitty for women oh for sure that's what i'm saying like i don't want to i don't want to display too much internalized misogyny but in general spring break culture is just very misogynistic yeah as uh as we saw with the banana eating contest exactly fucking nasty. Was- <laughs> who wants job in public also. No, thanks. That's, uh, you know what, heterosexual nonsense doesn't even begin to cover that. So. <laughs> no, never mind. My God, nasty people. Um, before we sign off, I have to share that I found the name of this wilderness documentary I was talking about. Um, okay. So it's called Alone in the Wilderness. Well, um, and it's about this guy who was named Dick Prennicky. He retired at age 50 in 1967 and decided to build his own cabin on the shore of Twin Lakes. The first summer, he scouted for the best cabin site and cut and peeled the logs he would need for his cabin. He returned the next summer to finish the cabin and lived there for over 30 years. He then filmed his adventures and turned the film into a video that we can all watch with this amazing man build his cabin by hand. That's the PBS uh, shop online shops description of the dvd (laughs) so uh i don't know why but on like because we live in quebec like the southern part of quebec the all of the american channels that we get are like the vermont feed Mm -hmm. so for us so for me it was always like vermont public television or mountain lake pbs and for some reason both those channels loved playing alone in the wilderness all the time and i've seen that movie so many times you think I you think I remember what it was called and what the guy's name was but so I think that for me is my uh power of myth <laughs> there you go the more I the the older I get the more I can relate to this man wanting to live alone in the wilderness right that's why I think I like it had a big impact on me as, as an introvert <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey where can they find us um they can follow us 
on Tweeters at Gilmore Podcast, on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. And should you feel the need to email us, you can do so, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a review, nasty or nice, whatever. <laughs> Please do. We love uh, we love reading them. Yeah, I get I usually get an email update every Monday with reviews. Oh, that's good. So uh, every time I get that freaking email, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> What do I have to say about today? <laughs> We're unbearable. No, We're unbearable. We're unbearable. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.